Well, let me just tell you, that was worth the price of admission already tonight. You know, that's something I was thinking about when um, you said, where was Lloyd? You said that. Would y'all turn these monitors down, John? John, Thank you. I don't like hearing myself. Um, but, you know, you said you prayed Jerry Ford. Wouldn't your most sincere prayer? <laughs> I, I really identify that. But y'all remember when you said the usher stand around the altar table and one of them prayed? Yeah, that's just something we don't do anymore uh, like, like we used to. You know, sometimes things change. Things do change. Uh, but the message and, and the message must not change, uh, even though the method somehow has to. Well, you know, here I am, and here we are on Labor Day, and I was thinking it just all, in a, it just all ties together so nice. You're talking about how you want to sing and how you're singing some. What a great testimony. I love that. I love that. Sang some bad places. And as soon as she said that, Mama T, I thought of you. I said, Mama T can identify with that about singing the wrong places. And you know, again, I told you I, I was a pretty good kid. I really, really was. And but I never, I, I thought that one day I would be a pastor, but it was kind of like a pipe dream kind of thing, you know. And I'm glad to say, you know, 32 years ago this year, uh, and on June the 12th, 1983, I was ordained into the gospel ministry. Um, that first year that I preached, I preached by, by vocationally, keyword Labor Day, by vocational. We're talking about work. And, um, but then after that, God has blessed me with the privilege of being a, a, a full-time vocational pastor. And uh, as y'all know, I was in the Air Force. I left the Air Force and, uh, and decided to went pastorate, and God provided for our income and for the privilege of serving His kingdom full-time. And, you know, it's really weird because, again, with my world, church is my world. The danger of that is I don't have a lot of the world to talk to. I mean, you guys are my friends. You're my social circle. Uh, a lot of the activities I do, I do with you. And a lot of you guys go to work tomorrow, or not tomorrow, you'll go Tuesday, and uh, you will go, and you'll be in a whole different environment. You're going to surround yourself with lost people and hurting people. Pastors have a hard time with that. We almost have to be intentional in reaching across that border and, and from our full-time vocation into another person's world. But here's the part I want to leave with you tonight. This is what I want to talk about tonight. Is that every one of us, someone say every one of us. Every one of us are full-time vocational Christians. There is, listen, you're going to hear this a couple times tonight because the word says it. That is, that there is not, listen, listen, listen. There is not a secular world and a spiritual world. God is sovereign over all, and in the life of us as believers, there is not a secular world that we deal with and a spiritual world. There is one, and it is the spiritual world. Look at these young ladies back here. You know, when you go to college and, and to school, to middle school and high school, when you do that, there's not, that's not a separate world. In fact, there's just one world, and it is the spiritual world. How do we do that? How do we handle that? How do we make sure that idols are not a part of our life? Because, you know, that's what we're talking about in Sunday school this time is, you know, God's at war. How, how do we combat this idea of adultery, idolatry in our world? How do we combat that? And this is a verse that we used, oh, I don't know, just probably about, probably about five weeks, six, six weeks ago. We used Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. So if you'll take your Bibles there and turn to chapter 3, we're going to look at 16 and 17, and then 23, 24, and 25. And we're going to see, once again, the idea, the concept that there's one world. There's one world. It's not a secular or spiritual. There is one world. And this is the verse that we just, we just jumped all over about five weeks ago. 
And it's Colossians 3.16 where the Bible says, let the word of Christ. Now, the word of Christ there carries the idea of the gospel. Now, I know when we hear the gospel, we want to think about the gospel being the message of the cross. We want to talk about the gospel being the idea, the concept that we were sinners separated from a holy God. And Jesus Christ, knowing that the wages of sin was death, paid the price for our sin. And that is the huge anchor point of the gospel. Gospel, but it doesn't stop there because just like we needed a savior on a day, mine was October 25th, 1975, 40 years ago this year, I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. That was my date in history. But listen, I need a savior every day. And we need a Savior every day. And that same Savior, George, is going to take us into eternity one day where we'll be trophies of grace throughout eternity singing His praises and His marvelous grace. So when it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, it's not just talking about the Word, the, the cross. It's speaking about the impact of God all through our lives. Now, it's important that we allow the Word of God to dwell. To dwell. The idea there is the idea of permanence. We need to let the Word of God saturate our lives. As I said this morning, we, it's amazing how we have become so comfortable with our... Now, I really do believe it's sins of the heart. We have become so comfortable with sins of the heart in our life, it's kind of like it's normal. No, 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 no. The normalcy is that we're to be as much like Jesus Christ as we can be. When we, when we start acting like the world or acting like Satan... That is never normal in a believer's life. Never normal. So the way we combat that, the way we combat even the, the worship of other gods, is that we let the Word of God dwell. There's permanence. Peterson put it this way in his paraphrase. Um, give, give the Word of God run of the house. Run of the house. You've probably stayed with a guest before, and they would tell you, now listen, listen. You act like... This is your home. They don't say, now you, you could sleep in this room and you go in the kitchen eat, but that's all. No, 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 no. They give you the run, a friend will give you the run of the house. And Peterson says, give the word of God the run of the house. Give it plenty of room to work. Uh, again, the idea is that of permanence, of a permanent dwelling. It's not just read the Bible in the morning and let it leave. No, listen, we need the word of God to saturate us. Now, just to like, you know what? Again, Jeremy... You were right. Those were good dogs this morning. Now, Judy, you, know, you know what Judy did? Oh, Judy, Judy, Judy. I, I walk up to Judy, and she has a hamburger and a hot dog. And she says, now, half of this hot dog is yours. Don't get a hot dog because half of this one is yours. I said, okay. So I go to the line. I get a hamburger. I do not pick up a dog. I get a hamburger, and then I put the stuff on it. You know, I go back to the table. And I noticed very quickly that there's only half of a hot dog left. She looks at me and says, okay, you get the other part of the hamburger. I want the hot dog. And I'm going, no. No, okay, no. I, and so I had, to, I had to go eat a whole hot dog. Broke my heart, I'm telling you what. But you know what? That was a good hot dog. But there's a part of that hot dog that's going to stay with me. Because my body digested it. And it, it broke down and became part of the food for my cells. It gave me good energy. It gave me not as good as that pecan pie, but, but hey, good energy. But anyway, so that became part of my cells. It became, listen, a permanent part of me. 
When we talk about the Word of God, it's just not listening to a sermon on Sunday morning and walking out in 15 minutes. You could remember what the preacher said, what the Word of God said. Let the Word of God dwell. Let it become part of you. Let it get inside you. Study it. Meditate. Apply it. Study it. Meditate it. Apply it. So it becomes permanent part of your life. And when it becomes permanent part of your life, guess what it does? It changes you. I'm telling you, we, we wonder why the church is messed up. We wonder why the church is messed up. We, we wonder why the world stays messed up. The reason the world stays messed up is because the church is messed up. And the reason the church is messed up is, one, we don't even recognize sin anymore. And we don't let the Word of God soak into our DNA, our spiritual DNA. We don't let the Word of God, we don't study it. We don't meditate it. We don't apply it. Let it become part of who you are. And let it do so richly. Richly, I love the fact that the commentary made it very clear. It's important that we understand this individually. But we've got to understand it as a church. You know, when it says, let the word of God dwell in you, there's the singular you and there is the collective you. If we want God to build the kind of church that he wants to build, if we want to be the kind of church that God wants us to be, we have got to let the word of God dwell in us collectively as a whole. It's so important. It's so important that we be a church of the word. You know, I said that this morning and I'm saying it again tonight. It is so important that we be a people of the word. But not just the fact that we claim to be a people of the word, not just the fact that we have a pastors and pastors who preach the word of God, but we need to be a people who study, meditate, apply the word of God. Amen? You get that? And it, I'm telling you, it changes us. It changes us individually. It changes us as a church. And it becomes a change agent for this country that we love so much. If we want to see America change, then guess what? We've got to change first. We've got to change first. We've got to make sure we're applying the word of God. You know, brother, I appreciate your response tonight with, with, the, with the drunk. First off, he's drunk, okay? But, but, you know, our tendency would be to respond with that same kind of anger. Oh, we should respond with, with, with compassion. His world's so messed up. Somehow that seems normal to him. It really makes you understand that you need, there's a world out there who's hurting and dying and desperately needs God's amazing grace. So we let this word of God dwell in us, become a permanent part of us, richly in all wisdom. You know, wisdom's been defined as right application of knowledge. It tickles me today because there's a movement, a good movement, where young men, particularly young pastors, are emphatic about their doctrine. But again, if all we have is knowledge, we don't have much. We have got to have the wisdom to take that knowledge and apply it. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. We need to know the Word of God, but we've got to apply the Word of God in our lives. He goes on and says this, teaching and admonishing one another. The word teaching there is positive. We should have the... Listen, you shouldn't have to come to church. I know I've heard it too many times. We come to church and, and the pastor beats us up with the Word of God. This is not a baseball bat. It, in fact, it's a love letter. It's a love letter. And so, so once again, you don't need a pastor who in fact just beats you up. You leave. I, I, it tickles me when, when we have to preach a tough sermon sometimes. People still go and say, and they say, well, preacher, you beat me up, but thank you. And you know, the Holy, first off, the preacher should never beat you up, but the Holy Spirit hopefully will break your heart and convict your heart. 
I'm all about that. I'm all over that. So, so there's this positive teaching. Don't think positive thinking. Don't think that, that health and wealth gospel. Think of a strong building of the Word of God in our lives. But there also needs to be the admonition. Admonishing one another. And that is the correction of negative. Do you see the balance there? This morning was, was, was admonition. It was, it, it was admonishment. It was, it was saying you shouldn't allow sin to be comfortable in your life. We need to be careful when we don't even recognize sin in our life and we have an admonishment. And, and then, like I say, this coming week, you're going to hear the teaching, a positive teaching. You're going to hear Psalm 51, where David goes before the Father and pleads his heart and pleads his case before God. It's, it's positive. It's instructional. So that should happen in our church. We should be teaching and admonishing one another. How? In Psalms. And you know what that means? In Psalms. You know, when y'all were mentioning about, about me, me singing, you know, you know, one of the great psalms that, that I love to sing is Psalm 4610, As the deer. As the deer pants for the water, Lord, so my heart panteth after thee. And I can tell you when we learned that song way back in Cobden days, there's a man, a family showed up at our church, and his name was Tom Cowan. And we were, oh, guess what? Even then, we were just learning some of the new songs. We didn't know a lot of them. We, we, back in those days, you had slides. You put in a slide projector to throw the words up on the screen. And Tom Cowan taught us a song about As the Deer from Psalm 4610. And what made it so special was Tom was dying of cancer. And this man who was dying of cancer, you know, at his funeral once sung, As the deer pants for the water, so my Lord, so my soul longeth after thee. He was, it's a wonderful way to sing the psalm. Um, you are the air that I breathe. There are so many good songs and hymns that are based on the psalms. And that's all they had. Do you understand there was no New Testament? There was no Acts. There was no Ephesians. There was none of that yet. There was no collection of the word of God at all. And so, but, but, but Paul said, now listen, we have the Psalms. You know, teach and acknowledge one another with Psalms, with hymns, hymns of praise, hymns of praise, um, um, spiritual songs, in contrast to secular songs, spiritual songs. Sing with what? Sing with grace. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Oh, 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 Lord, oh, Lord, send us grace-filled hearts. Someone say amen. Can't go on without it. Send us grace-filled hearts. Send us hearts. Lord, send us hearts that truly understand your grace. Oh, as I begin in this late stages of my life to re-examine, I sang Amazing Grace all my life, but I'm not sure I truly understood the magnitude of grace. Thank you, God, for grace. Thank you that by your grace that I call you Father and I call you friend. Thank you that I don't have to earn your affection. I don't have to earn your favor. I don't have to perform like a, like a monkey on a leash to try to earn your favor. Thank you, God, that by your amazing grace. And as we think about that, it fills our hearts. Our hearts filled with grace. Now, that leads to graciousness. A heart full of grace that understands God's grace will lead to a gracious heart or a kind heart or a kind heart grace-filled hearts lead to gracious hearts that leads to grateful hearts a heart full of gratitude you see that and when when he says when he says singing with grace in your hearts 
He said, oh, I recognize the wonder of God's grace. You certainly did in your testimony tonight. Lord, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you, God, that grace leads us to be gracious. And, Lord, it leads us to be grateful. Grateful. And so then in verse number 17, and here's where, again, Paul leads into that non-division non of, of worlds. Whatever you do, whatever you do, and word or deed. See that? There it is. And, and again, I'm not sure how far we're going to get. You know, well, let's just look at, uh, look at Colossians 3.23. Because he says it again. And whatever you do, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. See, see, surely there is not a church world and a secular world. Preachers, preachers are, are not the only ones who live in the church world, the secular, I'm sorry, in the spiritual world. We all do. And, and whether we're at work or whether we're at church, whether mowing the grass or whether we're shopping for groceries, it all is one spiritual world. And our wonderful sovereign God will, will have a change of plans and will lead us and guide us. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and He directs our paths and He leads us and directs us as His sovereign will is for the purpose of bringing glory to His name, to build His kingdom. That's what it's all about. See, you're not if you're a coal miner tonight, you're not a coal miner to make money. You're just a missionary who happens to do coal work. If you're a teacher tonight, you're not really a teacher. You're a missionary who happens to teach kids. See, you understand? Are you getting it? And if you're retired, you're not really retired. You're just a guy who gets paid for not going to work, so you do more work for God. Hello. Hello. And if you're a student... Guess what? You're not really a student. You're a missionary to Harrisburg High School. You see it? Whatever you do, whatever you do, not just segments of what you do, but whatever you do, do it heart in the Lord. And he says in verse 17, and whatever you do in word, okay, a words by lip or by deed, by life, lip or life, do all, do all in the name or for the name or to honor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Our lives, our life, and our lips should bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Never dishonor. Stop and pause. And I bet you can. You probably want to think too hard when you think of a time pretty recently where you know that your life or your lips brought dishonor to the kingdom. That should never be a lifestyle. It may be a foopah, it may be a oops, I fall in the puddle, but it should never be a lifestyle for the child of God. We should live and talk in ways that bring glory to the God, God the Father through Him. Um, the other day, I think it was Trina Nave, and I think it was Linda, I know it was Linda Guest, and she says, we bought you something, and y'all know me, I like presents, <laughs> I said, oh, you got me a present. She said, we sure did. It cost a quarter. I'm going, it ain't going to be a whole lot. But you know what it is? It now owns a place on my desk at home. In my study at home, when I'm preparing sermons and when I'm studying for sermons, that's what I use that desk for. There it is. It's the cutest little plaque you ever saw. You know what it says? Thou shalt not whine. <laughs> Isn't that great? Thou shalt not whine. 
Now, and I love it. I love it. I mean, it's right there where I can see this. It's right on my lamp. It's just a constant reminder that whatever we do in life or lips, we're to bring honor to the Lord. And whining's often not honorable to the Lord. We should be having a heart full of gratitude. And then over in 323, and whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it wholeheartedly as to the Lord and not to men. Now, you want to know the crazy part? You want to know the crazy part? If you look at the context of 323, he's talking to slaves. The thought is, you know, slaves, do the, you know, do the thing for your masters, you know, do that. He doesn't shift gears. He's telling these slaves that whatever you do, hey, slave, listen, whatever you do, it do, do hardly ask to the Lord and not to men. In other words, he's telling these bond servants, he's telling these bond servants that serve and understand you're not serving your master, you're serving God. Now, that really helps in some of our situations. When you're in a position, got a bad boss, you know, got a bad employee if you are a boss, um, you're in a bad situation. Sometimes, again, coal mine or teaching comes to brain, to my brain. You know, whatever it is, okay? Understand this. You're not doing it for men. You're not doing it for Farmer's Bank. You're not doing it for Harrisburg School System. You're not doing it for American Coal. Whatever you do, do hardly as in the Lord. And the, don't lose sight of the fact that he says, I'm talking to slaves. He wasn't talking about just, just super spirituals that's got their own life together. Hey, if your life is pretty tough right now, remember whatever you do, you do hardly as unto the Lord. Why? Well, you know, he says in verse 24, that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve who? The Lord Christ. You're not serving that supervisor at, at the mine. You're not serving that principal at the school. You're not serving one of the employees at the bank. You're not serving them. You are serving the Lord Christ. And here, get this. If I read this right, now, Paul was, if Paul was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which, amen, he was, he says that when we faithfully, because there's one world, there's not two, there's not secular, and there's not spiritual, but there's one that's spiritual, and if it's all spiritual, that means that we're faithful working in that spiritual world, whether it's at Farmer's Bank or whether it's at the Harrisburg School District, when we are faithful doing that, there is a reward for faithful servant. If we're faithful in our secular, in quotes, job, and we represent Christ well there, there's a reward for that. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? You know, for 12 years, for 12 years, I served the Air Force. You know what I got when I got out? A plaque. But Dwayne, you worked 12 years. Like, wasn't there like a, a half retirement since you're over halfway? No. With the Army or the Air Force, you go all the way. You do 20 years, you get 50% of your salary. If you serve 19, you get nothing. That's just the way it was. Okay. With God, with God, because they're all one world, whether we're working for the bank or for the mines or for the school, it doesn't matter where your job might be tonight. If you'll understand that there's a spiritual, one spiritual world, there is a reward. Hey, there's a retirement coming. There's retirement, and it literally is out of this world. It literally is. So knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And then one more thing, and it's a big one. Okay, Dwayne, I, I got, I understand 
If I work at school, I got to understand I'm doing it really for God. I'm not doing it for the Harrisburg School Board. Um, if I work at the bank, I'm not doing it for Charlie Holland or Scott Johnson, whoever's, you know, if it's Farmer's Bank. I, you know, I'm not even doing it for them. In fact, by the way, <laughs> I'm not even doing it for you. <laughs> you know, I'm doing it for the Lord Christ. But what if? What if there's a bad boss? What, what if there's a bad boss? Dwayne, what should I do? What should I do about the bad boss, Dwayne? Or you're an employer and you've got this employee. What about a, a bad employee, Dwayne? Well, look what he says. Just kind of like gives it to us. But he who does wrong will be repaid. For what he has done, he'll be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Translated? God will take care of it. If you've got a boss who rides you like a dog and the work environment's bad, you just keep on being like Jesus. Oh, thank you, Bill. We need more than that, though. If you've got a bad boss and your work environment's bad, you keep on being like Jesus. Let God handle the bad boss. Let God handle that co-employee that treats you badly and gossips behind your back. You let God handle the bad ones, and He will take care of it. And he'll show no partiality. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? So leave tonight. What's the bottom line? Leave tonight understanding that there is one world. And it's not a secular world. It's a spiritual world. And our God is sovereign over everything. And as we serve and as we work, we work knowing we do it for him. And as we are faithful serving in that quote, secular job or secular world, then there is a reward. And guess what? Old song, Anita. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, what a tremendous, tremendous day. And we thank you for it. I'm still overwhelmed by the worship this morning and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I think it's just bled over until night. I thank you for the songs we have heard. I certainly thank you for Robin's testimony of grace. And we thank you for this word tonight. Father, I know, I know, I know, I know that you'll empower us as we live in this one world of the spiritual world and that you are sovereign over, that you will empower us to live like Jesus. And thank you for the promise that there is a reward. Father, I want to thank you for the Dorisville Church family and, yes, for this group tonight that is part of that Dorisville family. Father, we pray that as we finish this day today, that, Lord, that as we journey tomorrow as a holiday, but then beyond that um, into our regular routine, that we will keep in memory and, and burn into our hearts that, Lord, you are the sovereign God and that we need to be like Jesus in everything we do. Yes, morally, Father, but especially with our hearts. I think about the gentleman again who hollered out the curse tonight. Our response would want to be anger and retaliation, but Jesus, you would reach out in grace and in love. Thanks for that. And Jesus, we pray this. In your precious name, amen.